Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you speak to us in ways that we completely can understand, in ways that minister so deeply to our hearts, and this is a text that I believe you want to speak into our hearts, you want to brand upon our souls. We live in very unique times, and um, while the word that's thrown around often is unprecedented And we thank you that you are a God who is a refuge, a shelter, a mighty fortress for unprecedented times. And so I pray that you would reveal yourself as that to us today. I pray that your son Jesus would be exalted, that all that he is for us would be elevated in our hearts, that we would love him more and desire to serve him better from being together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Psalm 46 is a song of confidence when your world, your world personally, or quite literally the world is on fire. It's a song of confidence. In fact, Charles Spurgeon called this the song of holy confidence. That was his title for Psalm 46. It's a psalm given to us for a time like the time in which we live. We live in a time of unusual difficulties. 2020 is the the year that just keeps on giving, right? More difficulties and, and troubles that we maybe never thought we would face. We find ourselves with unusual difficulties as a nation and certainly as families and as individuals. And also the church of the Lord Jesus Christ finds itself in the midst of challenges that at least in our country we haven't faced for a long time. There's revolution in the streets of many of our large cities. There's an increasing acceptance and even encouragement for lawlessness, political upheaval, there's a pandemic, there's the panic from the pandemic, which is probably worse, there's joblessness, 
There's economic difficulties. Some say that our country, the United States, is at the point of some kind of civil war. There's deep divisions. Churches not allowed to meet in certain parts of our country. And on top of that, you have your own challenges that might be front and center for you. Personal and family trials. A marriage that seems like it's falling apart. Singleness that is painful and causes loneliness. Problems with your children, problems at work or maybe no work. Psalm 46 is about how to have holy confidence with all that's going on. This was one of Martin Luther's favorite psalms. Um, when things looked bleak for Martin Luther, now remember, if you know anything about Martin Luther, he was excommunicated from the church. Pope Leo X wanted or excommunicated him and would have loved to see him burn at the stake. He had a bounty out on his head from King Charles V, and there was a plague, a real plague, the plague, that had invaded his city of Wittenberg. And when things were at their bleakest, he would say to Philip Melanchthon, one of his friends, he would say, come, Philip, let us sing the 46th Psalm and let them do their worst. That's confidence. Let's sing the 46th Psalm. Let's get our eyes upon the living God and let all hell break loose. What is it about this psalm? Well, Luther himself tells us. He says, we sing this psalm to the praise of God because God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends his church and his word against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil, and against all the assaults of the world, the flesh, and sin. Meaning, you and I can go through this angry, broken, painful, crazy, panicked, sin-sick world with a holy confidence. Not because we know the outcome of this next week or this next year or the next 10 years. We certainly don't. Psalm 46 gives us Lots of reasons why we can have this confidence. And all the reasons point to who God is. The greatness, the protection, the strength, the majesty, the nearness of God. Now, some might say that sounds a little too simple. The problems we face or that I face are very complex. But the message of Psalm 46 is essentially this. I will not fear, though the world is on fire, because I know God. That's the message. Because I know God. Knowing God is essential. The doctrine of God is essential. Theologians call it theology proper. The attributes of God. Who God is. A.W. Tozier once wrote, What comes into your minds, excuse me, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And especially, maybe, 
especially when we are living in tumultuous times, times of revolution, times of upheaval like we are now. If we don't have an anchor in a big God, in a big God, we will crumble under the pressure in fear and anxiety or we will bury our heads in the sand or we will medicate ourselves with entertainment and porn and drugs and so forth. We need to know God. J.I. Packer in his classic book that I highly recommend to everyone, if you haven't read it, Knowing God, it's called Knowing God, aptly titled. He wrote it almost 50 years ago. He said this almost 50 years ago. He said, the world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This is the way that you can waste your life and lose your soul. On the other hand, Daniel 11.32 promises us this, those who know their God will be strong or stand firm and take action. Or I think it's the New King James says they will be strong and they will do great exploits. This psalm is given to us to help us. This psalm is given to you and I to help us navigate life right now and be strong and be men and women of action who live faithful, courageous, and obedient lives to Christ now. Not someday, right now. Men and women who take action. Men and women who know what to do when the orcs are marching on Helm's Deep. Little Lord of the Rings uh, reference there. When the enemies are at the gate. Some of you got that. Not Pam, right? <laughs> All right. So, what does this psalm tell us about God to help us when we are in deep trouble? Four things. We could draw up many more, but four things. First, God is our protection in every trouble. Second, God is a never-failing river in our midst. Third, God is the highest authority over all. And fourth, God is a mighty warrior who fights for us. Amen. All these things the psalmist knew well, and that's why he could say, God is, a ref God is our refuge in every trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. So, First, God is our protection in every trouble. Let's look at verses 1 through 3, which draw this out for us. God is our refuge and strength, a present, very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Sounds like pretty big stuff's going on. Verse 1 says God is our refuge. Verses 11, 7 and 11 say God is our fortress. These two words, 
communicate the same thing from slightly different vantage points. They both offer protection. A refuge is something that you would run to, and a fortress is like an impenetrable, unshakable castle that you are brought into by a king, for instance. Martin Luther's famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress, which became the battle hymn of the Reformation, was inspired by verses 1 and 2 and verses 7 and 11 of Psalm 46. Listen to the opening lines of the song. Luke leads this here on Sundays for us, or we sing this on Sundays, so you might know these words well. The opening line says this, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. God is our protection in the midst of real trouble. Notice how verses 2 and 3, look at verses 2 and 3, it it repeats the word though four times. Verses 2 and 3 repeats the word though four times. It says God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble, though the earth gives way. Not if the earth gives way, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains are moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters foam and roar, and though the mountains are quaking and trembling. In other words, this psalmist has his eyes wide open to what's going on around him. He sees it. He's not burying his head in the sand. Ignorance is not bliss. That's never a good strategy. He sees what's going on and he says, God is my refuge. God is my refuge. This language of the earth giving way and mountains being moved into the heart of the sea and the the, the oceans foaming and swelling and so forth It's almost like this apocalyptic language of the prophets. Think of Isaiah or Ezekiel or Daniel or the book of Revelation. It speaks of great upheaval and revolution and trouble, often describing divine judgment. And what is the psalmist's confidence? We will not fear. Though all of these things are happening. And why? Because God is our refuge and our help. Because he is our mighty fortress. What do you do with a refuge? This is a question. What do you do with a refuge? What do you do with a mighty fortress? Do you say, that's a nice refuge over there. Man, a storm's coming. That is a really nice refuge over there. You run to it. Parents, we know this, we've taught our children, or they've learned somewhere, that if they hear the tornado sirens, it's time to get out of the tree and into the house. And if you have a basement, down into the basement or into an interior room, whatever, right? Find refuge. Seek shelter. Where do you run when your soul is troubled? Do you run to God? or somewhere else. Let's face it, sometimes even as children of God, we forfeit the peace of having the protection of God because we turn to someone else, 
We turn inward and look to our own resources to try to figure out how we're going to deal with this problem, and we don't go to God. Think of the old, the, the old song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I think I got those words right. It's close. If we knew how safe we were in the hands of Christ, if we knew that he was this kind of refuge that we could run to and hide ourselves in, we would. We would run to him in every trouble and find in him all the help we need. I love how the Lord Jesus himself is so concerned that we as believers, this is for Christians, that we as believers know just how safe we are in his hands. He really wants us to know that. In John chapter 10, verses 27 to 29, Jesus says this. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and listen, no one can snatch them or will snatch them out of my hand in the hand of Christ. Are you in Christ? Do you belong to Christ? You are in his hand. He goes on to say, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Do you hear this impenetrable castle? We're in the hand of Christ. The father's greater than all. We're in his hand. Who can snatch us out? What can snatch us out? Nothing. No one. Colossians 3.3 says, Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Amen. We are so safe in Christ. We are so protected in him. He is a refuge. He is our refuge and mighty fortress. Christ is. But second, Psalm 46 also draws us to the reality that God is, metaphorically speaking, a never-failing river in our midst. I love this, these verses. Verses four and five say, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The, the, habit, the holy habitation of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. This kind of seems like a strange transition. It, it goes from talking about the earth giving way and the mountains being tossed into the sea and all this, and then, it, and then it draws our attention to this river that's flowing in the middle of the city of God. And I think the point is clear that while all of that stuff is happening out there, tumult, right, uh, upheaval, all of that, God is doing something in here, in the midst of his people, in the city of God. While the world is on fire, God's river is flowing through his city. And it is God himself who is the river, God in the midst of us. We often speak of God being with us and often we do this in kind of a generic way. I know that God's always with me and that's, amen, he is always with us. 
But this passage, I love how it uses the word in the midst. God is in the midst of us. He's not just generically with us all the time. He is in the midst of his city, namely his people. And therefore it says, she shall not be moved. Why? Because God is here. Do you know that? Do you know that God is here in the midst of us? And it's clear that God in our midst doesn't just give us a quiet, stoic, stiff, upper lip sort of resolve. We're just going to keep going and doing the right thing. No, listen. The river spreads something called gladness, joy, rejoicing. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There is a river, the streams, another way you can think of this is like the channels of a river, right? There's a river whose channels move into every part of the city, every neighborhood, right? And bring gladness, bring rejoicing, bring joy. It reaches every person that's part of the city. In other words, there's enough to go around. You don't need to go without. I believe this river is referring to the Holy Spirit, probably. Jesus speaks of rivers in relation to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who is given to you and I as Christians as God's empowering, helping presence. Jesus said to be with us forever. Listen to what Jesus says in John 7, 37 to 39. He said, or it says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. And he cries out today, right now, right here in our presence. Jesus, through his word, is crying out. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39 goes on to say, Now this he said about the Spirit, who those who believed in him were to receive, but as of yet the Spirit had not been given because Christ had not been glorified. Christ has been glorified now. His Spirit is available to the thirsty. I wonder if one really good thing God is up to right now is making us aware of our need for him. Making us thirsty so that we may come to Christ and keep coming to him. I think this is referring, can be referring to salvation and probably is. I mean, if we initially come to Christ and he gives us his spirit, amen, we're born again. But believers are to continue to come to Christ and drink of him. And we can find in Jesus all the rich supply that we need for everything. Listen, the stock market may fail. It could. The dollar may fail. Some may think it will. <laughs> the housing market may fail. 
Your health may, well, your health will fail at some point, either just when you're ripe old age of 96 or whatever, or sometime before that. God is in our midst, and he is a never-ending, never-failing river of life and joy. He cannot fail. He will not fail. Third, we see here in Psalm 46 that God is the highest authority. The end of verse 4, it says, it, it refers to God as the most high. I went through a book with my kids called God's Names. And so when I read this, I'm like, oh, that's El Elyon. God is El Elyon, God most high. It's easy to be impressed with people, whether we like them or not, people with power, position, prestige. But unfortunately, we often don't have a very high view of God. I mean, a high, exalted view of God. And this is to our own detriment. Psalm 46 wants to help us here. Listen to the indictment leveled by J.I. Packer again in his book, Knowing God. He says, one reason why our faith is so feeble and our worship is so flabby is because modern people cherish great thoughts of themselves but have as a rule small thoughts of God. When the person in the church, let alone the person on the street, uses the word God, the thought is rarely of divine majesty. Well, Psalm 46 wants to correct this and help us. It reveals God in his divine majesty as the most high, as highly exalted. He is the most high God. There is none higher than God. And we need to know this. There's no higher king, no higher judge, no higher superpower with more firepower than God. God doesn't ask permission from anyone to do anything. He doesn't need to. He is God. He's God. Nebuchadnezzar, probably the most powerful man of his time, he found this out. Because remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar? Well, there's lots of things about Nebuchadnezzar, but Nebuchadnezzar was impressed with himself. He was impressed with his kingdom. He was impressed with all that he had built. And humanly speaking, of course, he was impressive. He ruled a superpower with a kingdom that, that stretched far and wide. But he exalted himself above God a little too long, and God brought him low. God humbled him. And Daniel 4 describes Nebuchadnezzar's losing his mind and being driven to live among the beasts and eating grass and having his hair grow out like a maniac and having his, his fingernails grow out like the claws of birds. And God told Nebuchadnezzar, this would happen, this judgment would happen upon him. God said, this is going to happen until you know that the Most High rules. 
the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will. Well, after a period of time, when Nebuchadnezzar came to and his reason returned to him, listen to what Nebuchadnezzar says. It's powerful. This is a pagan king who got saved. Here's what he said. I I bless the Most High and praise and honor him who lives forever and ever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? This pagan king is talking about our God in majestic and exalted ways and you and I ought to as well. Don't you think? Don't you think we ought to talk about God this way? Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It endures forever. No one can stop your plans. No one can stop your purposes. There's a a modern hymn. I think it was written in the 1980s. um, And it's called, Oh Father, You Are Sovereign. Listen to these words. Oh Father, You are sovereign in all affairs of man. No powers of death or darkness can thwart your perfect plan. All chances and change transcending, supreme in time and space, you hold your trusting children secure in your embrace. God is the highest authority. And finally, Psalm 46 shows us that God is a mighty warrior who fights our battles who fights for us. The psalmist repeats the following refrain in verses 7 and 11. He says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then he repeats this word selah, which means to stop and meditate. In other words, let it sink in. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Who's with us? The Lord of hosts. It means the Lord of armies. A host is an army. And the Lord is the Lord of hosts, meaning he is the Lord of armies. Moses, after the Israelites came through the Red Sea, Exodus 15, it's the song of Moses, Moses sings about God being a man of war. I love that. And there ought to be a song we sing about that, Luke. (laughs) I'm sure I'll come up with something. Man of war. And he's our fortress. The picture of the Lord of hosts being our fortress is of God going out and defeating his enemies in battle and then bringing his people into his castle for protection and celebration. Think of all the examples in scripture where God fights for his people. I was thinking of, uh, I think it's 2 uh, 2 Chronicles 16, maybe 20, something like that, uh, Jehoshaphat. 
right? The battle is not yours, but the Lord's, the prophet told him. And so he sent out his worshipers to sing and praise God, and God defeated his enemies, the enemies of Judah. Ultimately, Christ our Lord came to fight in the war of the cosmos. He came to fight and win for us the battle against the devil and sin and death through his death and resurrection. God is a mighty warrior who fights for us. Amen? Because God is our refuge, right? going back to first point, because he's our refuge, because he's a river of gladness that never fails, because he's most high and because he is the Lord of hosts, God has a message for us this morning. It's God speaking in the first person. I mean, all of Psalm 46 is God's words, but verse 10 is God speaking in the first person to us. And he says this. This is the verse that almost everyone here probably has heard before. Be still and know that I am God. God is our refuge. God is our refreshment and the river of gladness. God is a mighty warrior. God is most high. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Do you know what it means to be still? Some translation might say cease striving. I think that's what the New American Standard says. Cease striving and know that I am God. What does it mean? To be still. It doesn't mean to be a lazy, doesn't mean to be a sluggard and be lazy and just sit around. It means to have your heart relaxed before God. Because He's God. And He's your God. And He's my God. It's like the psalmist says, in light of who God is, relax. Actually, God says, in light of who I am, relax and know that I'm God. Relax and know that God is sovereign. That God is sovereign. That He is the King of the universe. Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon on Psalm 46.10. And back in those days, you know, sermon titles were like sometimes short paragraphs <laughs> uh, or, or sentences. His sermon title for Psalm 46.10, this verse was this, quote, the sole consideration that God is God is sufficient to still all objections to his sovereignty. God is God. Relax. He's sovereign. He really is. Nebuchadnezzar really did confess the truth about God. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. No one can thwart his plans. No one can look up to him and say, what have you done?
Relax, God is sovereign. Relax, the Lord is in our midst. The Lord is among us. Out there it's crazy. Out there it's crazy. It is. God is here among us. In his city, blessing his people, bringing joy and gladness and refreshing and life and peace. So relax. The Lord is in our midst. Relax. The Lord is a present and early help in trouble. How do we navigate these days that we live in? Verse 4, verse four says, He is, or excuse me, verse 4 says, He will be there in the morning when the morning dawns to help. Right? Verse 1 says, He's a very present help in time of trouble. Verse 4 says, God will help her, God will help us when morning dawns. Dawns. In other words, as soon as the day starts, God is present with his sleeves rolled up, ready to help. Just like his mercies are new every morning, God is present to help with every situation we find ourselves in. And finally, relax. Christ will have the ultimate victory, won't he? Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. What does that mean? Christ died to secure the salvation of people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language. He will be exalted among them all. And he will be exalted in the earth. Meaning on planet earth, Jesus Christ from coast to coast will be exalted. From one end of the globe to the other, he will be exalted. This is his firm resolve to have universal victory and triumph. Christ will. And so we can relax. Can I just... I think things that are going on right, I think it has exposed Christians. I think it's exposed us as people that are trusting in a lot of other things than the God described in Psalm 46. Listen, if you are looking if you are looking for a particular person to become elected president on November 3rd or after probably (laughs) to save us Listen, to save us, let this psalm chasten you. You need to hear this. We need to hear this. Christ is our king. Right? We want to live faithful lives, but Christ is our king. If you are struck with fear, it may not apply to people here, but maybe those watching online. If you are struck with fear, because of COVID-19. And I'm not saying we don't take precautions, all of that, whatever. This is exposing where your trust is. Is it in your God, who is your refuge and strength and help? Is it in your God who is above all things? 
Is it in your God who is a mighty river? Is it in your God who is the Lord of hosts who fights your battles for you? Or is it in something else? Some are concerned and worried about financial markets and all that. Now, there's a place to be responsible, no doubt. Where's our hope? Where's our trust? Where's our confidence? When Christians who didn't live in a Christian nation were being hunted down by Nero to be burned on stakes to light up his dinner parties. They relied on Psalm 46. This is my God. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. So relax, knowing your God, who he is. And wherever you find yourself, whatever station of life you find yourself in, be faithful and take action. See, you know, being still doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing and just have these lofty thoughts of God. We, because we know God, we take action. We speak the truth in love. We love and serve our neighbors. We stand up for what's right. And even when it's costly, especially when it's costly, and we do so without fear. Why? Because we know our God. Because we know God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord. Help us to believe these words like we haven't before. Drive these truths into our hearts. By your mighty spirit, brand them upon our souls. You have placed us in this world. We're not to be of the world, but we are to be in it. We are to, we're to be in the world, and we, as those who belong to Christ, filled with your spirit, who have the word of truth, we are part of your strategy in the day in which we live. And so, Lord, I pray that we would know you and be strong and stand firm, armed with the, the full armor of God and take action and do great exploits for the glory of Christ, for the good of your church, and for the good of those who don't yet know Christ. We need your help, Lord. We need your help. We have your word here. I pray that this would impact us deeply, not just for the period of time we've been here, not even just for today. Oh, but God, would you make Psalm 46. I pray that we would be like Luther and we would say, come, let us sing the 46th Psalm.
and let them do their worst. Lord, it's easy to say that, but I pray that that would be what happens in our hearts and that we would live with that holy confidence in you and that we would turn away from every false hope, every false God that we have trusted in. Whether it has to do with our health or politics or finances, whatever it is, you are God. Be still and know that I am God. That's your message to us today. Relax and know that I am God. Lord, I praise you and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't go yet. Just, um, I want to speak a benediction over you that I think goes with this. It's out of Jude, a blessing. And you know, if there's anyone that wants prayer for anything, I mean, if there's anything you came in here heavy on your heart you want prayer for, please come up. Love to pray with you. If there's anyone who just wants to come up and just kneel before the Lord and seek him, please do that as well. Alyssa will will keep playing for a bit um, and just pour your heart out to him. Maybe the message just pricked your heart and you need to come up and confess and do business with God or just continue to seek him. Please come up and do that as well. Jude, would you stand, please? Jude, verse 24 and 25 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.